welcome to My Garden, My Life, a podcast designed to inspire you to think about your garden and your relationship with it. I'm Sarah Layton, garden designer founder of Growthfully, and my mission is to help you make the most of the joyful possibilities of your garden to get designing and gardening and enhance your day-to-day well-being. That space outside your door, be it large or small, can literally change your life. These conversations travel to a world of somewhat unexpected subjects, and I absolutely love having them. So today, my guest is the lovely Elizabeth Cairns, and we had a fascinating conversation which touched on many aspects of nature and well-being, as well as her Buddhist approach to the conifer hedge in her garden. I love her statement that nature is always resilient, and we're not separate from that and it seems particularly relevant right now. So whatever you're doing, whether you're sitting back to listen or are busy in your own garden, and this is a great moment to be sowing seeds, dividing your perennials, planting your pots, and generally getting your garden organized for summer, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So hello, Elizabeth, how lovely to have a chance to chat with you. Hello, Sarah, thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. We always have such lovely conversations. Yeah, we could wrap it on for hours, couldn't we? We, we could, and we've proved that on our sort of pre-record conversation, haven't we? So do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, yeah, what it is you do, about your book? Sure, yeah, thank you. Um, so my name's Elizabeth Cairns, and I've been a coach and business mentor and therapist for 20 years now, around about. Um, and my business is The Empowered Entrepreneur, which is also the name of a book I launched in, I think it was 2017 or 2018, lost, lose track. And I work with entrepreneurs and creatives. And I know this, uh, this term is often used, but I believe a lot of the people I work with are visionary people who see new ways of being or new ways of working or have something valuable to add. And I help them shape that either into a business or into an offering like a book or a course or something that enables them to bring their wisdom out and and share it with people. So I have a lovely tribe of wonderful, empowered entrepreneurs that are all out doing their amazing work in the world. Um, and I, I just get to support them in, in a variety of ways, kind of coaching, mentoring, writing, and I love it. Yes, and that's how that's how we met, isn't it? I came on your Focus and Thrive in November 2017, I think. That's right, yeah. In Surrey at Beaverbrooks with Fiona Humberston of Brand. Yes. And that's where we met. And at the start, at the time, I had this idea for Growthfully. I didn't have a name. I didn't have a, any way of knowing how to word it or express it or mm. explain it. And that was our ve- that was very much the first time I took it seriously and tried to kind of get hold of what it was this idea and mm-hmm. uh, very helpful in helping me to do that and have been since so thank you for that oh it was a pleasure a real pleasure and that that really is where my passion lies because I, I think a lot of people come and they have all this incredible richness of experience and wisdom and the seeds of ideas within them and I love to pull that out and make sense of it. I mean, I'm working with a lovely lady at the moment who's feels the need to 
having worked in her field for 20 years, been incredibly experienced, brought an incredible amount to the people she works with, but really feels the need to kind of mark out her space and also capture everything that that she knows and bring it to life. And and we've just finished the framework for the three books or three kind of written offerings. One's a book and some and some other pieces in there. And she said sort of at the end of this process, she said, oh, I had no idea that was all in there. <laughs> and what was lovely is I didn't have to create any of it. I just asked the questions and, and there it is. And it's such a joy to do that. And, and thinking about your journey with that and how growthfully came out and formed itself, it was, yeah, it was just really, really lovely to witness that and to share that experience with you. And you ask such good questions. And in fact, this morning I was up awake early, not up, still in bed, awake early. And I picked up the notes on my phone because I've been thinking, how am I going to do what I normally do? I've put out some online offerings. I'm normally with people in their gardens now, sharing what I know, inspiring and helping them, you know, to to use the space in a way that makes the best of it for their well-being, for themselves, for the nature for whatever how am I going to share that stuff that's so bubbling in me and is so frustrated that it's not coming out so I I, (laughs) on my notes this morning I created a well I guess it might be a webinar it might be a seminar I'm not sure it might be a couple of seminars you know of things that people could be thinking about the questions to ask themselves in relation to creating their garden if they want to take a step back from the, the the sort of direct sowing of the seeds, but actually to think about the garden as a space and how they want to feel in it and how they want to use it and how they want mm. to arrange it, what they could be thinking about in terms of that. And it all just came out. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? When you have that passion for what you do and you have that clarity of of the benefits and also of where you want to get people to, um, the passion enables us to keep going, even when situations mean that things have to change. You know, obviously, everything, lots of things have changed for a lot of people right now. Yeah. But when we're, you're passionate about it and you really are connected and you believe in what you're doing, which for me is at the essence of of being an empowered entrepreneur, is to have that inspiration. And all you then need to do is just lean into your creativity and trust that whatever is unfolding, you'll be able to create something that meets the needs of the people you serve, but also enables you to to spill out that passion. So it's wonderful that it's just, you know, coming out in another way, because we are incredibly resilient, aren't we, and adaptable and adaptive. Um, And that's how businesses and work, you know, and it doesn't always have to be paid work in that respect. But I I believe our work is whatever we're here to do on purpose for people that, you know, our work will find a way to survive regardless, as long as we can just lean into that unfolding process. And that just takes a bit of trust in in the universe, really, doesn't it, I suppose? And uh, Just a bit of trust, she says. <laughs> just a bit of trust. But, 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 trust. It, it takes us continuing to do what we are driven to do. Yes. And keep putting it out and just hoping it's received. Yes. And I think for me, these acts of creation, when they're... Uh, and these acts of service from our from our work. So if you're an empowered entrepreneur, you're working from a place of service. Yeah. And those things are offered. It's almost like, you know, the birthing of a child. You you have a child or you and, and you don't expect anything in return for that. You just send them out into the world and 
where they go and what they do and how they are is okay with you because you've offered it, you know, you've offered that act of creation, if you like, as a gift. Um, exactly, exactly what nature is doing for us right now. Absolutely. She's always doing that. Yeah. And um, that's where I come back to, um, you know, this, this, this is where the trust comes from is because all you have to do is look out of your window and see that the only constant is change and that's just universal truth and that the seasons will always roll around and nature is always resilient and we're not separate from that you know and there's so much evidence if we just look for it of how things work well in flow and and all of that evidence comes from the natural world and and then it just takes and I, I know that a lot of people feel separated from that and separate from it but actually we're not. We are intrinsically and inextricably linked because it's it, we are nature. It's not that we, you know, we are the same part. Yeah, we are mammals. We are. Absolutely. Yeah, we are creatures. Yeah. And to think and drive and live in houses rather than in fields. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, you know, if we, the more, the closer we get to nature, the the closer we get to our natural way of being and the closer we get to our instinct and the closer we get to this I mean the birds don't worry do they no they get on with it <laughs> I mean I'm assuming they don't worry interesting though my dog is worrying mm. impacted I mean maybe I mean yeah so she's a, I suppose she's in the family which is impacted by what's going on and she yeah. can really feel the energy and her behavior is slightly different yeah, absolutely. And I think birds are not doing that. My robin, I've got a robin who sits on the corner of my greenhouse. It's got a little pointy bit on the corner, you know, on the top. Mm. Of, um, and there's a robin there that sits there and, and, and sings its little heart out every day. Yeah. And I think we can, you know, we are sentient beings. We are, we do have more going on than the birds, but yeah. actually we can tap back into nature as a form of reassurance as well. We just need to remind ourselves to do that because it's not just, it, it's, we're not living purely from instinct, are we? We're living from intellect as well now. Absolutely. And, you know, we can talk about whether that's evolution or whether that's just bad luck. Of <laughs> <laughs> there's all that thinking that just, oh, I have to, I, I'm quite a thinky person Well, I'm a very good person and I have to work really hard to stay in contact with what's going on with me physically and yeah. emotionally and get out. I mean, that's how I started being so aware of the part that my garden plays in my yes. life. Because when I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm excited and adrenalized and busy in my head, the only way to come back to being calm and myself and, and much happier is to have contact with the soil, to put my hands in the soil to go yes. sow some seeds yeah. go and turn a few hellebore heads over I just pick some flowers to go to my mother-in-law you know there's those connections and contact with what's growing is is really for me how I manage my well-being and mm -hmm. and I think that's I think that formula that recipe is true for everybody it's yeah. just that not everybody has discovered it yet yeah you know we are the soil does us good connection with nature does us good it regulates us the color green regulates us you know there's all of this absolutely yeah it's interesting about the color green mm. well it's the most restful to look at from a from a kind of brainwave point of view it's yeah. the easiest color to rest upon um because it doesn't require any eye strain and it it just goes straight to the feeling center of the brain well like all color does yeah but it, it's a very you know nature's full of it isn't it 
I'm looking out. Um, I'm really lucky because my desk overlooks farmland and woodland. And so I just have a carpet of green field and then all the trees coming into bud. So it's and and a long sweeping landscape. So wherever I've lived, even when I lived in the middle of West London, we lived up high because for me, view and perspective, the ability to rest your eyes on the horizon is also incredibly calming. Because we work so much in that up close foveal vision, don't we, all the time, you know, whether it's staring at phones, whether it's staring at, you know, computer screens or we're driving, we, what nature affords us is that horizon line that our eyes are naturally drawn to. And if you just, you know, if you take a moment now just to look away from a screen or and, and allow your eyes to rest further away on the horizon, it brings a sense of calm to the body. Instantly. You know, and it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system response. Everything just slows. We take a deeper breath. You know, the out breath just naturally lengthens. The nature creates this ability to just breathe out, you know, just pause and, and rest. And and that can be, you know, as, as much as it also creates the opportunities for work and activity and productivity and because there's always something to do, isn't there, in the garden? Absolutely. You know, if you're someone who works with the landscape even if you're you know in forestry management not just garden management there's always something to be done but I think that's the beauty of nature it's recognizing that we're living together we're we're constantly in movement and yet we don't always have to feel like we're always on because activity in the garden isn't that same kind of hectic hustle kind of head focused activity it's a whole body system regulating process isn't it so it feels even when it's very active feels much more nourishing I think and in fact our heads quieten down don't they the the thinking quietens down yeah and we get into this connection with the soil and nurturing and nourishing and receiving Mm -hmm. and just this lovely lovely flow using your word flow and it's a choice, really, how much to do, if you like, in inverted commas, in the garden. I, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that you, your garden, you'd, you'd like to have more wildness in it. Mm. So maybe you'd like to talk about your garden a little bit and your connection with it. Yeah, so we're very lucky here because we have quite a large garden and the front garden is given over to the kids so that is a wild space you know they have they they can do whatever they want with it we let it we literally let it go wild the only thing I cut back are the brambles for kind of so that they're not constantly tripping over them but there's you know there's nettles in there there's wildflowers in there there's big ant hills there's you know all sorts in the front and they they sort of have that as their space and that's wild and it drives me nuts because there's you know mud kitchen and it's just chaos but they love it and that's that's their space and then at the back our garden's kind of split into two areas we have this kind of immediate back garden which is closer to the house which you and I did some work on which was lovely and set up a a nice eating space there and I've since planted a tree at the corner you know we spoke about having a lovely blossom tree there so I've I've put a cherry in lovely blossoming now it's not quite because it's a it's new yeah but it will be. And so that will be on the corner of that eating area. And I'm going to take up my patio and plant dahlias instead and just have a little walkway through. So just as I come out of the house, I'll have a huge dahlia patch because I love dahlias and then the herb garden and the eating area. And, And that's a nice space to be. As I look over my garden, it's not the garden I would choose because 
it's a sort of very not traditional garden, but it's kind of a you know 1950 semi garden I suppose and and all down one side you've got these conifer or laurel hedges and both of those things I can't bear but only because they're so devoid of the potential of life on the other side you know we have edible hedging and you know beach hedge and and the bird there's birds in there and it's wonderful and it's all to life whereas on that side of the garden it's just a mess so that creates it's a kind of push me. It's an interesting thing. It's like, okay, well, this is nature, but it doesn't really and feel. It isn't really nature because nature will never put a, a whole row of conifers or laurel bushes in in a row like that. Exactly, and I think that's why I kind of I resist a little bit because I am constantly looking for what is most natural in a space and how you enhance the natural beauty rather than things being too contrived. Well, I cut that out as I said at the time. <laughs> I've had that hedge out. Yeah, and we're going to. Yeah, we're going to. That's that's a kind of time and money thing at the moment, really. Of course. Um, So then the back of the garden is devoted to being productive, to to Mm. food. And that's actually taking shape, although frustratingly at the moment, I can't get any plugs or seeds. We were talking about this earlier, just because all the garden centres and everything are closed. So we're having to be a bit creative around that. But then the end of my garden, I'm building a lodge. Oh, is that happening? It will be. It was due to happen this year, but whether now the powers that be uh, enable that or not, I'm not sure. But the plan is certainly to definitely clear the way and prepare the way for that. So, yeah, that will be really lovely. So, yeah, it's an interesting relationship with my garden because it's not it doesn't fit the setting a lot. A lot of it, you know, we've got bamboo in weird places and you just think, well, bamboo doesn't belong in the Buckinghamshire countryside. Mm. Like we've got all these conifers and this laurel, which drives me nuts. And it's it's not a restful place for me to be, which feels very strange, because normally if I go out into a natural space, it's very restful. So what I tend to do when I come out into my garden is just keep walking and go straight into the woods instead. So what I wonder is, it sounds as though you're reluctant to, and this could be budget, time, whatever, to to sort of take charge, to get out the things that are not working for you. No, I think it's more of a I think it's more of a time thing. So we are doing things piece by piece. So I'm now, you know, we did a lot of work on the on the veg garden and that's great. And that, you know, that is much more productive. So it is it's more it's more time and, and priority. And also part of the, you know, endlessly for me. I, I have quite a lot of a. I have a Buddhist practice of meditation, and a lot of that is about letting go of attachment. No, and so. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the concept, but if I have parts yeah. of my garden that are just not giving me what I want, and they're taking up space, and they're actually depressing me, out they have to come. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's all good. <laughs> and part. You know, and I think it's part of this kind of journey for me of, or why why does this you know why does this not fulfill me with joy or why does and I take a different approach in the garden to I do in the house. So in the house, if something is you know frustrating me to an extreme degree, then it gets changed. Um, But I have this I have this sort of sense of well, the garden is a natural place, and also I I personally believe that every plant you know, is a, is a living being and therefore, you know, it's I can't just hack it out. You know, and I know we talked about this when when we talked about the rats <laughs> in the garden. 
and the big fan of putting the rat poison down. I was just like, well, I'm not such a fan of the rat poison. So we've managed to discourage them in other ways, which is good. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, it's, I suppose it depends how far you go with the Buddhist beliefs and want want to choose that way of being in your garden. Yes, for me, yes, exactly. So much that that is a place where I do relax and where yes. people can relax. That's, I put my, my well-being firmly in the centre of my garden. Yes, and that's, I think that's lovely. And I think if I, didn't have, if I didn't have the woods literally one step further than the back of my garden, I think that would be a very different perspective because I think that's absolutely right. I think, I think we shouldn't live. And, and a, part, a lot of it is around making a conscious choice. So if if I was unconsciously doing that and just letting something not be quite right and not be aware of it and not not actively engaging with it, the locus of control shifts away from ourselves, doesn't it? And, and this yeah. is, you know, this comes back to the philosophy of the empowered entrepreneur as well. Like if we it's about making a conscious choice about how you respond to your circumstances. So, you know, for example, we can make a conscious choice to grow our business and to make it as big and as fulfilling or as successful financially as we want. Or we can make a conscious choice to, and and that might work for a lot of people. And I made a conscious choice because I chose to homeschool my children to only work part-time. And therefore there's a limit to how much time, effort, energy I can put into the business. But because it's a conscious choice, it's not difficult to be able to balance that limitation on potential for example and do you find that can still be frustrating not in a big picture sense because it's a congruent decision so where it where it can be frustrating in the day-to-day is if I'm really inspired about something and I've made a commitment with my husband that I work you know like for example if I come on this call off this call and I think oh, I'd love to record a meditation or I'd love to do this now or I'm not able to because I know I've only got a short window of time before it's my husband's turn to work and I go back to the kids. So from that point of view, it's balancing those smaller frustrations that become the challenge. But actually you can you can train the muse and your inspiration. You know, if you're really committed to something, if I know I've got an hour to work, that's when everything just switches on. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's just... Because we create, you know, we do create our experience. We create our circumstances of things. And I can waste a load of time getting annoyed about it. And I used to, I used to waste a lot more and, and feeling that frustration. And also I think it's important to check in regularly enough so that, you know, if something, because there's, there's, there's small frustrations like that and then there's deeper frustration that tells you that you're not doing what you're meant to be doing. Yeah. And I think what's important is that we check in regularly enough with the, the quality and the depth of that frustration or whatever the feeling is so that we still know we're acting in alignment with our values and what's really important because those change over time as well. They, They shift and they flex. So I think, you know, coming back to the garden, that's what being in the garden or being in natural space kind of enables us to do, isn't it? It gives us that space because I, and I do get that from my garden as much as it's not aesthetically as I might like it, I can go out into my garden and have space you know, because I'm not in my office or I'm not in the house or I'm not, and, and in the garden, I can just, you know, I can just be in the garden without feelings of restlessness or frustration. So there are pockets 
of that space. Um, what do you think in that garden that enables you to do that? What's, how do you experience yourself out there that enables you to have that experience? The experience of space? Yes. What is it, what is it that's happening? Do you think that's to do with the connection with growing things? Are you deliberately looking and... Yeah, I think it's what happens whenever I go out into any form of nature is I put my... And it happens instinctively now, but I think if I if I go back to my my earlier processes when I was doing this more actively, I put my awareness on my senses and outside of myself. It doesn't happen very often now, but when it does, if there's something that's particularly agitating my mind, I will go and spend time with the tree. So actively, let's touch this bark. Let's see how the light falls on it. Let's look at the buds. Let's pay yeah. attention. Let's see what life there is. Yeah. Um, you know, and in doing that yesterday, when I was looking at, I was taking the dead seed heads off the fennel that had I'd taken the seeds off them last year, but I was just cutting the stems back. All the new growth is coming through. Yeah. And because I was really paying attention as I was doing that, I found a hummingbird moth. Wow. And this morning as I went out, and this is they're very strange actually that two in two days, that, so that was yesterday. And then this morning I went out and I went out with my camera because that also helps me slow down and look and see. And in taking the picture of a hornbeam leaf in bud this morning, I found another hummingbird moth resting on, because during the day I just presume they just rest out in the sun. I didn't, I, you know, I've never found them before. The only time I see them is normally when they're on my the honeysuckle outside of my window and they're really active and they're just moving like little hummingbirds between all the flowers but what I've seen now two in two days is two resting hummingbirds and they're tiny they're like the the size of my thumbnail they're so small and yet slowing down to the degree where I stop and look I saw them and I noticed them and in doing that there's no room for internal chatter there's no room for you know turning things over in the mind so so there is an external focus. And when I'm able to be calm in my garden versus not calm, what I'm actively not doing is looking for jobs that need to be done because that that sends me into a, oh, my God, there's so many jobs to be done and that's a different space. And it's interesting you call them jobs to be done because actually, as you described, cutting back the fennel, which mm. could be called a job to be done, yeah, see that wouldn't that wouldn't be on my list of jobs to be done. So that in my head, the jobs to be done are the are the jobs that aren't nurturing the garden. They're the kind of oh, fixing the downpipe on one of our water butts. That's a job to be done. Whereas for me, the tending of the garden is a has, has a different feeling. It doesn't feel like a job. So the the, the downpipe and the and the water butt feels like it's not a it's not a job that's well, it is nurturing nature because it's collecting water. It yes. Yeah, it doesn't feel the same to me. No, it doesn't have the same quality of activity about it. Oh. No, exactly. So whereas, I mean, there are garden jobs, if you like, I suppose, yeah. but to me they feel productive, whereas yeah. the jobs to be done are those things that I suppose it's the taming of the – so like taking out the conifers is a job to be done. Yes, and that's a big job, and that's one yeah. that's going to take time and money and effort and mess and – yeah, well, and also negotiating with our lovely neighbours as well because it is the boundary between us and them. But it, but I think that, you know, what enables that space in nature is active engagement with your senses outside of your head and as a whole body experience. 
And so depending on the level of agitation. So, and I think this is something that people forget, you know, they come out into the garden when they're highly anxious and they think that, you know, just by sitting down, they're going to feel calm. Well, actually, if you think about the nature of anxious energy, it's a moving energy. So if you want to move anxiety on, you need to move the body. Mm. You know, it's it's not easy to sit in still meditation, for example, or to sit That's on a lovely true. mossy cushion when you've got all of that moving energy. Um, and it's I the same. If my hands in the soil. If I'm mm. lucky enough now to have my greenhouse and potting bench, so I've constantly got a supply of compost ready to go. With oh, lovely. Which is, oh, I tell you what, it's just a delight. I've never had it before last year. And it's just, you know, I can take a, a, a house plant or something that's looking like it needs putting on and and in the moments of engaging with that and having a look at the roots and putting some more soil in the pot and mm-hmm. watering it and pressing it down and I'm, I'm having and taking off the dead bits and tidying things up I'm having an experience of being right in that moment and yeah. it's active so agitation is able to pass through as you described it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I don't find them <laughs> meditating in the garden when anxious really helps well that is a meditation as well isn't it like you say I mean doing meditation rather than a sitting going "Mm." so technical question then Sarah your your composting bin is that an open tub of compost ready to go in your greenhouse all the time how does that work so my potting compost my potting bench you mean I've got I've got a bench in my greenhouse on on that is a thing you can get you can get wooden ones you get plastic ones you can make it yourself is a like a container it's rectangular it sits on the bench mine has a metal bottom and i unload my compost into it mm. back of my potting bench at uh, my potting box and i do whatever i'm doing in front and then i can just pull the compost i need forward to do whatever i'm doing with and i just keep a multi-purpose peat free peat free is very important yes. multi-purpose compost available at all times in that potting box so then I can just walk out literally and it's already there for me yes I need a potting box you That's do what I need in my time, it's no good keeping it outside because obviously no. it's completely saturated or you know when there's been rain but yeah. somewhere you can put it inside at a table height yes so that it's comfortable to walk in up up to I keep gloves there I keep them on my potting box because I don't like having soil up my fingers or my nails all the time um and I just put my gloves on they're very fine gloves you know the thin gloves where you can yeah. see what you're doing and I can just engage with whatever's there put something on or sow a seed or and I'm, I'm literally in it 30 seconds after I've arrived in the greenhouse I can lovely and oh, I really recommend that actually yeah right okay so that's going in my greenhouse that's yeah. good that'll be another non-job job to do <laughs> yeah, but that's actually a question of I don't know, maybe with your home homeschooling, you can get your kids to knock something up with you. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It just needs to be a bottom and two sides and a back. So the sides are about, I don't know, 10 centimetres high. They don't need to be very high. Okay. It wants to be about 40 centimetres wide. Yeah. And then you have three sides on it and the bottom. And can you imagine what I'm talking about? I think so, yeah. Like a drawer without a front. Yes. Exactly. So the soil is contained. The compost is contained by the sides. Love it. Thank you. (laughs) So I think probably on that note, it's been lovely chatting and getting into some sort of quite, well, interesting differences of opinion as well, differences of experience in terms of of how we 
well, how we are in the world. I I love your ability to be Buddhist about me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just not it's just not who I am. Mm. And I think, you know, what's lovely, isn't it, is that the garden gives us an opportunity, the garden or nature or natural spaces gives us an opportunity to show us who we are. And I think that's, that is the beauty of it. And then the only work that needs to be done is just accepting that yeah, and, and being happy in that. Well, also learning from that. I mean, I had a lovely, lovely aha last year from my first year of growing seeds. I had grown seeds years and years ago when my children were small in the spare room. And it turned out, I've said this before, I'm sure I've said it on a podcast before as well, but it turned out I wasn't capable of looking after my children and my seeds. I had space for both. So my seeds became leggy and died and didn't get enough water. And so I stopped trying to do seeds in the spare room. And last year, after years of wanting a greenhouse, we were in a place where I could have one. And so I learned about procrastination. Right. I had all these lovely um, calendula marigold plants ready to go. And I couldn't quite decide in my new veg patch, my new cutting garden space, where I was going to put them. So my perfectionist kicked in and I thought, "Mm, I don't know quite where I'm going. So I put some out that I was sure about. And the others just sat in their nine centimetre pots with me thinking, Mm -hmm. I really should put those out. I really should put those out. And I kept not, and I kept not. And the difference for the poor plants in terms of the ones that were in the ground, which went whoosh and flourished, and the different and the ones in their nine centimetres pots, which never really recovered, was enormous. And I learned what I learned about myself was if I don't know the answer, that doesn't mean I can't still take some small action. What I could have done was oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And also the benefit of having deep roots, <laughs> you know, like just planting yourself somewhere. Absolutely. Even if it is maybe in the wrong place mm. and move. But I, yeah, what I got from that was try, experiment, do it. Yes. And if you've got it wrong, move it. Yes, absolutely. And also that the world isn't going to fall apart, is it? That, you know, it, it's better to, it, it, if we don't take that incremental action, because there's no... There's no real risk, is there, other than the the risk to our internal selves of beating ourselves up for getting something wrong. There's no real risk, especially when it comes to a garden. It's not wrong either. I mean, it might Mm. be where I'd want it to be, but they're still in the ground getting and being okay. And just because they're not quite where I want them to be doesn't make it wrong. Mm, absolutely so many metaphors thank you so much for for bringing that little point up because there's so many metaphors yes yeah there really is our way of being in the world in the garden Mm. we learnt and as you said you know the garden and nature is just the gift that keeps on giving and Mm -hmm. it's something that we can if we connect with it on a daily basis it can't do anything other than inspire and nurture and support us whatever's going on externally absolutely be a haven Mm. and on that note oh thank you Sarah it's been such a lovely conversation (laughs) (laughs) absolutely such a lovely conversation oh it's nice to catch up with you as well pleasure thank you so much for listening Elizabeth and I would love to hear your thoughts and comments about anything our conversation has brought up for you I'm at growthfully on Instagram 
and Elizabeth is at and thrive. That's A-N-D-T-H-R-I-V-E. Please use the hashtag MyGardenMyLife so we can see what you've written. The show notes for this episode are on my website at www.growthfully.co.uk where you can read my blog, sign up for the newsletter and find out how I can help you create a garden you'll love. We can cover layout design and styling, planting, gardening, whatever you need to help you make the most of that precious space. And everything is online at the moment. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and I'd be thrilled if you'd consider sharing the love on your Insta stories or writing a review on Apple Podcast. So I think that's it. Until next time, enjoy your garden.